2: Podcast. Welcome back to another episode of the Packet A Podcast. You can get all your Packaday A updates by following us on Twitter at Packaday Podcast. And remember, you can always subscribe to the podcast on Apple Podcasts, Google Play, TuneIn, Stitcher, or Spotify. And of course, you can always check us out over at CheeseheadTV.com. I'm Kyle Fellows, and I am joined by my co-hosts Maggie Loney and Andrew Mertig. It's a Friday show, you guys, so always good to be back together. Um, how are you guys doing this week? Pretty good. Uh, Wisconsin, unfortunately,
3: is under a bit of a storm warning. Maybe Maggie will tell us how things are going <laughs> there. Away, I don't know. <laughs> Hopefully not fly away. Uh, yeah, it's a, it's a pretty miserable 71 degrees here. So, um, But we're not supposed to be updating the weather. That's like a show earlier in the week. My bad. Terrible start. Maggie, how are you doing?
4: It's uh, 97 here, so I would take 71 degrees in like (laughs) a heartbeat. But yeah, I mean, I love these shows. I love taking the deep dives each week. It makes me more excited for football season. So,
2: Yeah, this has been a really fun season. Um, Good weather, bad weather, it doesn't matter. Uh, We've spent the last several weeks focusing on what the Packers division rivals did this offseason. We've put these... Three NFC North teams under the microscope just a little bit and talked about their free agent additions, subtractions, their draft picks, and then discuss whether or not the rivals of the Packers got better or worse during this offseason. But of course, we know. The NFC North only makes up six of the 17 games that the Packers will play in 2022. And so today, we're going to begin to look at the rest of the teams that the Packers will play um, on their upcoming schedule. We're going to talk about what they did over the course of the offseason and what kind of rosters the Packers can expect to face when they match up with these teams this fall. And so today, uh, we're getting started with two teams that the Packers face early in 2022, the Tampa Bay Bucks. And the New England Patriots.
3: Yeah, and we are going to, you know, try not to overwhelm you with a tsunami of information. Uh, but certainly, while the off season has been a whirlwind, uh, we we are going to get right into the Tampa Bay Buccaneers with their coaching and front office changes. So, you know, Bruce Arians retired, right? And he has actually decided to stay committed to being retired because he's a man of his word. Uh, And so Todd (laughs) Bowles takes over as the head coach. He is, uh, you know, he was being interviewed for some head coaching jobs and, of course, ends up getting the Buccaneers head coaching job. Uh, But their offensive coordinator, Byron Leftwich, was also hotly pursued this offseason. He stays on as the offensive coordinator after Jacksonville refused to fire their GM to get Leftwich in the door. And then they decided not to replace the defensive coordinator with any one person, instead going with a group approach of Casey Rogers and Larry Foot, which is interesting because we're going to be talking about the Patriots later and their approach to offensive coordinator. So a um, little bit unique there for the uh, Buccaneers.
4: Yeah. So entering free agency, you know, the Bucks had a couple significant losses. Uh, safety Jordan Whitehead went to the New York Jets. They lost guard Alex Capo to Cincinnati um, tight end OJ Howard went to Buffalo and then running back Ronald Jones went to Kansas city. A couple guys still unsigned are defensive lineman, Jason Pierre Paul and Adama Kinsu tight end Rob Gronkowski, you know, it's kind of up in the air and then cornerback Richard Sherman. Um, Retirement news, you know, Andrew kind of alluded to it already. Tom Brady retired for like a month. That was a whole thing. (laughs) He's back now under center for Tampa. And then guard Allie Marpet also retired. So to me, Jordan Whitehead is definitely the biggest loss here, in my opinion. You know, he missed three games in 2021, but he still played 88% of defensive snaps. He was a focal point in their secondary. He had two picks, eight passes defensed. And I think the Bucks have a good, uh, strong secondary still, and they should be okay without him in the lineup, but his loss is really significant. Uh, most of the other losses, I think, were mostly like a, a clean scratch with the free agents that they brought in and the draft selections that they made, though tight end, you know, is maybe a little bit of a question mark with the departure of Howard and the uncertainty of Gronk, you know, if he does or doesn't come back. So since Brady unretired, though, it would make sense for Gronk to come back as long as Brady is their under center.
3: Yeah, and this list may not look so bad by the time the season starts. As you alluded to, if Gronk comes back and they get one, I think, of two, either Jason Pierre-Paul or and Sue, they're still going to be really stacked as a roster. I, I think the sting of losing Kappa is definitely offset by the trade they made. Uh, more on that in a minute, but Jordan Whitehead was a big part of their defense. And you mentioned the statistics, but also they kind of use him as a a chess piece, maybe a little bit of that like star ish role. Um, And so that will be an interesting one to see how they try to replace him.
2: So, yeah, so some interesting things to track to see you know where this roster actually settles out. But they didn't lose everyone. They were able to retain some of their own guys here, starting with cornerback Carlton Davis. They got him back on a three-year, $45 million contract. Uh, defensive lineman Will Golston is back as well. Uh, running back Leonard Fournette, this is kind of a surprise to me. A three-year deal, uh, $21 million there for him. It, it's a, it basically a two-year deal on paper, but interesting move to keep him in the fold there. Running back to Davonnie Bernard also back. Wide receiver Brashad Perriman, center Ryan Jensen back with the team. Tackle Josh Wells and finally quarterback Blaine Gabbard. Um so outside of Carlton Davis and Will Golston, I mean the Bucks brought back a lot of pieces and really it feels like it was to ensure that the core stayed intact for Brady with a lot of those offensive pieces.
3: Yeah and and the Buccaneers went out and made a few additions uh, most notably, you get wide receiver Russell Gage coming over from the Atlanta Falcons. Defense lineman Akeem Hicks, of course, we're very familiar with him being from the Bears. Uh, safety Keanu Neal comes from the Dallas Cowboys after his initial stint with the Falcons. And then quarterback Logan Ryan, who's kind of floated around after a lot of early career success with the Patriots. Uh, and speaking of the Patriots, they traded guard Shaq Mason to the Buccaneers, which was an absolute theft. I am not sure what Jason Light did to deserve that gift from Belichick, but that helps alleviate a lot of what the Bucs lost in free agency, plus the sudden retirement of Ali Marpet. So, you know, in, in theory, the the Buccaneers were looking at losing both of their starting guards with Kappa leaving in free agency and Marpet leaving, um, you know, via retirement. And you suddenly plug in one of the better guards in the league in Shaq Mason, who you gave up absolutely nothing for. um, And that really helps to uh, solidify that line in front of Tom Brady. Russell Gage gives him a solid option until Chris Godwin is healthy, but does seem like an unneeded luxury given the depth Tampa Bay has at wide receiver. I think Akeem Hicks is a nice add to try to replace the production of Sioux, unless, of course, he, he tries to come back and then they have a nice running mate. Uh, Neil and Ryan are veteran presences, but have not been especially productive as of late. So the expectation is going to be that Todd Bowles and company can coach them up as they have with some like rather average secondary talent uh, over the last few years.
4: Yeah, I thought the Neil and Ryan signings were really interesting because Ryan, you know, he played corner for the bulk of his career. He did play some safety with the Giants, but our lads has him listed as the starting strong safety right now on this Bucks roster as far as that depth chart is concerned, even ahead of Neil at this point. So definitely some options and how that secondary will come together and unfold, you know, making up for the loss of Whitehead. And you kind of touched on this already, Andrew, but if the Bucks can get either Sue or Pierre Paul back... Then they've added Hicks into that mix, and that's a pretty nice pass rush, even with the age of those vets. I love Tampa's first-round draft pick, and he'll pair nicely with any of the aforementioned defensive linemen. So, Kyle, who did the Bucks bring in?
2: Yeah, this is a really interesting draft class. Uh, I think a lot of these names will be fun to track over the next couple of years, but uh, they took defensive lineman Logan Hall out of Houston with their first selection at 33 overall um, at the top of the second round there, and then guard Luke uh, Gedecky from Central Michigan in the second round as well. Rashad White in the third from Arizona State, the running back. Cade Otten, the tight end from Washington. Uh, punter Jake Camarda That's an unfamiliar name to me, from Georgia. Uh, Cornerback Zion McCollum from Sam Houston State. Tight end Ko Kieft from Minnesota. And linebacker Andre Anthony from LSU in the seventh round there. And Logan Hall was a name that a lot of people suspected could kind of maybe be in play for Green Bay. That kind of like late process name that we saw sneak in a little bit. Um, The coaches were even talking about adding that penetrating defensive tackle in interviews in the weeks leading up to the draft. So that, of course, ended up being Devontae Wyatt, but Hall is a high upside player. In fact, I really think that most of this class is gonna be kind of boom or bust. I mean, Hall, Gedecky, White, k Otten. There are a lot of players who could be better pros than they were college players and maybe play more significant roles for their NFL teams than they played in college. Uh, So I think this will be an interesting class to grade maybe two or three years down the road.
4: Yeah, I love the Logan Hall signing for the Bucs. He's versatile, and I think he can get after the quarterback from just about anywhere on the line, um, which is nice with that group that they already have in Tampa. The Rashad White pick makes a lot of sense from a depth perspective behind Leonard Fournette, given that Ronald Jones obviously departed in free agency. Um, He could see some opportunities right away as a rookie. I mentioned the tight end room a little bit earlier, you know, the uncertainty if Gronk is coming back. I know they have Cameron Brait. um, So the double dip there with Kate Otten and Keft made sense to see if they can can hit, you know, on one or both of those guys. So I think now then the question is, did the Buccaneers get better or worse?
2: I think the Bucks had a really good team last year, and I think that they're gonna have a really good team this year as well. I think that they're kind of the same team. Now if they don't get Gronk back and if Sue goes elsewhere, I, I think you could start to make the case that they might have gotten slightly worse. But this is still a really, really good football team. I do think the pieces uh, might take some time to gel just with some new faces coming in and new roles for this team. Russell Gage might play a big role early in the season. And then, of course, the defense needing to compensate for the Jordan White head loss. Maybe this team plays a little bit below expectations for being the Bucks early in the season, uh, just as those pieces kind of come together. But this is a very strong roster again in
3: 2022. Yeah, I, I see what you're saying at. I- I think from a talent standpoint, they do take a really small step back, but that's just on paper. I I really think that this team is due for some regression based on their age. Like, this was a team that was constructed for a two-year run. And Brady's unretirement just made them go out and it sort of forced their hand to, like, try to extend this as much as they possibly can, try to keep the roster together. You have Chris Godwin coming off an injury. You have an aging Brady. And despite, you know, his physical appearance, (laughs) plastic surgery, and and seeming ageless, he will regress at some point, right? Like, everybody does eventually. Uh, And another year of... Uh, there's another year on Shaq Barrett, Labonte David, those secondary players. Um, and let's not forget to factor in, this is a brand new coach. I don't mm-hmm. care if they kept their whole coaching staff intact, right? Um, Bulls is going to do things a little bit different than Bruce Arians did. And they, they have the advantage of playing in an absolutely terrible division. And I think they should be as close to a, a lock for the playoffs as there comes in the NFC but this doesn't really strike me as a scary team. I I do think that they are going to probably be in in line for an early season or early playoff
0: exit. We're driven by the search for better, but when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors. According to Indeed data,
4: Hmm. Yeah, I think we're all kind of in agreement here with this one. It's a good Buccaneers roster without any glaring holes on paper. You know, they play in a weak NFC South, and they should pretty handedly make the playoffs. I don't see that being an issue for them. Um, But I don't see them being the biggest threat in the NFC at this point. You know, they could, you know, luck out with some wins by playing in a weak NFC South and accumulating some wins that way. But yeah, I think that there's, you know, some bigger contenders coming out of probably the NFC West, for example.
2: Okay, so that is your Tampa Bay Bucks conversation, and now we get to pivot to the new England Patriots and talk about this offseason that they've had a little bit. And that starts really with the things up front in the front office, in the coaching staff. And they didn't experience a lot of big changes at head coach or GM. So it might be easy to kind of gloss over some of these changes, but they did experience some pretty significant change. We of course know that Josh Daniels, Uh, McDaniels got a new gig as the head coach of the Las Vegas Raiders. And McDaniels is loved and hated around the league, depending on who you talk to. But there's no doubt that he's had his fingerprints all over this Patriots team for a really long time. And now that he's in Vegas, New England is not really, you know, They've not expressed who will be leading the offense as the new offensive coordinator. Many suspect it could be a joint effort between Joe Judge and Matt Patricia, which is, I think, interesting to say the least. I saw an article that was published yesterday that said many believe that Matt Patricia is the most likely candidate to call offensive plays in New England. Um, He was the defensive mind back in the day when he was hired in Detroit, right, Um, under the idea that he was going to bring this great defense to the Lions organization. So going to be really interesting to see how this works out there in New England, but But regardless of if it's Judge or if it's Patricia or some combination or somebody else, they're going to have to pour into Mac Jones and continue his development. And it'll be really interesting to see if the offense evolves there in New England under this new leadership or maybe if Belichick will just kind of micromanage the whole thing and keep it looking very much like we've seen in the last couple of years.
3: Yeah and then they they're going to be facing some roster transition in addition to that uncertainty at offensive coordinator uh they end up losing their their Uh, you know, long time sort of backup center uh, slash chess piece and Ted Karras, who goes over to the Cincinnati Bengals to play center. Uh, They also traded guard Shaq Mason, of course, convenient that we're talking about the Buccaneers today because we get to bring this up twice. Um, But that is a massive loss and arguably the best player on their entire offense uh, last year was Shaq Mason. They lose probably their best defensive player as well, and quarterback J.C. Jackson, who signs a huge deal with the L.A. Chargers. Uh, and then, you know, some, some longtime veterans, uh, linebacker Kyle Van Noy also ends up with the Chargers. Uh, Dante Hightower and Jamie Collins, also linebackers, um, are still free agents, so we don't know. They certainly uh, seem to play their best football in New England under Belichick, but um, it is uncertain at this point if they will be returning or not. And then some depth players running back Brandon Bolden heads to the Raiders uh, and then fullback Jacob Johnson, who, who has actually been pretty solid. And, there, you know, certainly a lack of true fullbacks across the league. Um, and that is is certain to hurt the Patriots run game as well.
4: Yeah, I'm absolutely stating the obvious here, but JC Jackson is a tremendous loss for the Patriots. You know, he had a phenomenal season in 2021, made the Pro Bowl, was named an All-Pro. He had an insane 23 passes defensed, which is just crazy to think about, 17 interceptions in the last two seasons combined. Uh, so losing, you know, Mason. We already talked about when we talked about Tampa was significant. But another really huge blow to the Patriots losing J.C. Jackson as well. And it certainly doesn't feel like they did enough in free agency, you know, as far as additions go to make up for some of those really big losses that they had from that roster.
3: Yeah, absolutely. And then they were able to resign a couple of players. Uh, Trenton Brown, the mammoth tackle. Uh, does return to the Patriots and linebacker Jawan Bentley, but that's about it because this team is pretty cap-strapped.
2: Yeah, of course, and then they've got some openings that they've got to fill, so they did make some additions. Corner Malcolm Butler was signed with the Patriots. Uh, Wide receiver slash running back Ty Montgomery from your Packers is now a New England Patriot. Um, wide receiver Devontae Parker was acquired via trade with the Dolphins. Safety Jabril Peppers comes over. Uh, linebacker Mack Wilson also acquired in a trade, this time with the Browns. And then cornerback Terrence. Mitchell also brought in I think the Malcolm Butler thing is kind of interesting considering his legacy how he left New England really not on the best of terms after being that Super Bowl hero Uh, but Devontae Parker is the big one to me New England kind of has this history of taking talented players on bad teams and finding ways to use them Um, or at least that's the attempt it doesn't always work but I kind of wonder if maybe the Patriots find a few more years here in Parker and give Mac Jones a legit weapon that he certainly needs as he continues to develop
3: yeah, I I do think Devonte Parker is an interesting addition, but I I wonder like even if he stays healthy, it, isn't he exactly the same as all of the other Patriots wide receivers? Like I'm I'm not sure that he brings something that they don't already have on this roster. Yeah. Uh, mm-hmm. I, I do like the defensive upside of of guys like Jabril Peppers, Mac Wilson, even Terrence Mitchell, um, to a lesser extent, as people that could play better than than what the assumptions are out there. Um, of course, some some nice college pedigree with Peppers and Wilson, uh, both former high picks that you know Bill Belichick's certainly banking on being able to get more out of than they had their previous stops.
4: Yeah, so as far as the draft class is concerned, you know, their first round pick was interior offensive lineman Cole Strange. Um, second rounder, they took Taequann Thornton, wide receiver out of Baylor. In the third and fourth rounds, they snagged two corners, both with the last name of Jones from Houston and Arizona sure. State, Marcus and Jack, respectively. <laughs> um, and then in the fourth round again, you know, they, they brought in a running back, Pierre Strong. Uh, Bailey Zappi, the quarterback, Uh, Kevin Harris, the running back in the sixth round, Sam Roberts, defensive tackle in the sixth, Chase, uh, Chasson Hines, a center out of LSU in the sixth, and their last pick, another offensive tackle, Andrew Stuber out of Michigan. So lots of big guys on the offense, a couple corners, and, you know, I think the head scratcher in the first.
3: Yeah, this draft was um, something all right. Yeah, I'm I'm not going to say strange because that joke is very played out. But it was it was something. Um I from a value standpoint just truly awful. Strange may very well be a starting guard, which is fine. Like he could go on and have a brilliant career. Um and I wouldn't be that surprised. But he could have been had in the second round, like without a doubt. Some would say the 4th, right? Like like the Rams sort of said in in their uh, you know interview at, during the first round. But if you really want him, if you really desire him, you're going to get him in the second round if you want to. So I don't understand why you're overdrafting players like that. Thornton seemed like a fourth rounder to me. Marcus Jones, I, I really liked. Awesome returner, could be a good corner, uh, a good slot corner someday. But like he also seemed like a fourth rounder. And then, in the fourth round, they take Jack Jones, who's a 5'10 corner. And it's like, you can only play one slot corner at a time. So, who's playing outside? I don't know. Um, and then, I, you know, okay, I liked Peter Strong, the running back out of South Dakota State. That's fine. But he is buried on the depth chart. And then, you take a quarterback in the fourth round, a year after taking Mac Jones in the first. Like, I, I, I have... Literally no idea what Bill Belichick is doing here. And I'm stuttering and stammering because I don't (laughs) know how to explain what this draft class is. This literally might be the most confusing draft class I have seen in the last like five years. I, I genuinely don't get it.
2: It's very puzzling. And I mean, you mentioned that they took a running back who's buried on the depth chart. Then they took another running back who's buried below that running back who's buried on the depth chart and Harris, right? Just a few rounds later. So really interesting.
3: Yeah, remember how upset Packers fans were when they took Love, Dylan, Deguara? Right. Put yourself in the place of a Patriots fan. Right, yeah, yeah. <laughs> right? Like, you just made the playoffs with a rookie quarterback, and then you go out, you give away a, a guard who's probably Pro Bowl level, maybe a little bit under that, and then you overdraft a guard in the first round to replace him. Then you take a wide receiver whose best trait is running deep down the field after you traded for a wide receiver with the Dolphins whose best trait is running straight down the field. Then you take two undersized corners, a running back who's probably not going to see the field this year, a backup quarterback, and then the rest is, you
2: know, sixth and seventh rounders. What? Yeah, it's (laughs) It's kind of wild, and we talk about we, – we just did the Bears show a couple weeks ago, right? And a lot of people have ripped on the Bears and in their inability to support Justin Fields, or at least that's how it looks on the surface. But I would say that the Patriots are guilty of just the same thing, right? Like, it seems like Mac Jones played pretty well in his rookie year, but then, you, like you said, you bring in wide receivers who run nine routes, and, you know, you lost a key offensive lineman piece. It just feels like they didn't diversify that wide receiver room I just I, I'm I just think it's unfair that we've ripped on the Bears for that process. But Bill Belichick kind of gets a pass for really, I mean, Mac Jones looks like they might have at least hit a double with that pick. Support him and, and get the best out of him that you can. It just doesn't make any sense to me. So, I don't know. Head scratchers all around. But uh, that's our process, guys. We've gone through it. We've been trying to be objective here. <laughs> did the Patriots get better or did they get worse over the course of this offseason? Yeah, well, they got worse,
3: and I I don't necessarily (laughs) understand the direction that they're taking. Like, Bill Belichick is one of the, if not the greatest head coach in NFL history, period. Bill Belichick, the GM, his track record is not particularly good as of late. And, you know, they spent a zillion dollars last offseason. They they make a playoff push. And then proceeded to give away their best offensive player in Shaq Mason, lose their best defensive player in J.C. Jackson, and then have one of the most bizarre drafts in recent memory. So, yeah, the team is substantially worse, and that is a huge problem in a division where I think the Miami Dolphins are going to take a big step forward. The Buffalo Bills are a juggernaut in the AFC. And I will not, like, underestimate Bill Belichick. But it is going to take one unbelievable coaching job to take this team to the playoffs, And I think even more so than last year. So, um, you know, we'll see, but I don't expect this to be a game that is viewed as particularly challenging for the Packers.
4: Do you think that the Patriots are wasting Mac Jones' prime? I'm just kidding. kidding. Um, But no, I mean, I really don't see how this team could have gotten any better on paper. I do think that Mac Jones does take a leap his sophomore season, and I think he'll look good commanding the offense. You know, Parker was a nice pickup. Maybe Thornton can, you know, help kind of, give that offense some juice but the AFC East you know Andrew already said it it's the Bills division to lose and even the Jets won't be pushovers this season I'm I like a lot of what the Jets did I think the AFC East is going to be a lot more competitive than maybe anybody's giving it credit for it it's easy to you know kind of go you know 500 in that division this year so Belichick you know he always will field a competitive roster even if he builds his team in strange ways promise I, did not, I didn't mean to do that, <laughs> um, but I definitely think this team takes a step back in 2022. Long term, I don't know. You know, we'll see. But as far as 2022, it's a regression.
2: Yeah, I mean, we've talked about it, right? But I am not sure this roster and the additions that they made this offseason come anywhere close to making up for those losses of J.C. Jackson and Jack Mason. And you're putting a lot of hope into Matt Patricia and Joe Judge to get things going on offense And I mean, Andrew talked about like, maybe Belichick is just going to put all this on his back and do it. But I mean, I think when you consider those coaching openings as well, like, I mean, there's a lot of holes on this team and he just didn't do that much from a talent perspective to surround Mac Jones. And I'm not sure you get points for overpaying for Devontae Parker in a trade and overdrafting Taequann Thornton too early. So, I mean, obviously that's, that's our on the surface reflection and that could be totally wrong in a couple of years, but it's hard for me to say that this team got any better either. Yeah, so the Packers played
3: these two teams week three and week four. Uh, Week three is the Packers at the Buccaneers. September 25th, that should probably be a hot game in Tampa. Uh, That is a 325 central kickoff. So it'll be 425, hopefully hopefully cooling off a little bit, um, as I'm sure the Buccaneers will be wearing their home whites. And then the Patriots play in Lambeau uh, week four on October 2nd. That is also a 325 central kickoff. Um, so should be two really interesting games against two teams that, uh, you know, made some minor adjustments this year. And, and we talked a little bit, may, maybe some regression insight, but um, definitely two games that that should be really interesting to see play out. But that is all the time that we have for today. This has been the Pack of Day Podcast. You can find Kyle on Twitter at Packer underscore Pundit. You can find Maggie at Maggie J. Loney. And I am at Andrew Mertig. Please subscribe and consider giving us five star review. You can catch Kyle making myself every single Friday. Next week, we'll be back breaking down more of the Packers' 2022 opponents. Thanks for listening. And as always, remember. Go, Pat, go.
1: MyPatriotSupply.com